In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, the podcast where we cover all the pop culture we love to hate, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. I'm looking at you, Jax Taylor. I'm your host, Ryan Bailey.
is just <clears throat> a bop and a half. Whoa. What are we at? Like a, a LuLaRoe convention? Katy Perry? Wow. Uh, what's up, folks? It's So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. I am Ryan Bailey. It is Wednesday. What a week it has been so far already. Um, let me take this cough drop out of my mouth. Still taking care of my voice. Still exhausted as all heck, folks. I... I was complaining about how much I slept yesterday, slept in today again. I don't know what the heck I, it, do I have mono? What is going on? Like I, sh why am I this tired? All it's just, what if we're just this tired for the rest of our lives? Okay. I'm not going to depress you. It's hump, happy hump day, folks. We did it. We're if today's Wednesday, let's do the math. We got, uh, five days in the work week. This will be our third day, so five minus three. We have two more days after this one, and we're right back to another weekend. And that is so, so very exciting. We'll do some news stories, but then I want to get right to it because we're going to do a little bit of a detour today. It has the same DNA of everything that we love. And you guys might already know about this. I hope you do, because I've talked about it a couple times on the show already, but there is a four-part documentary series right now on Amazon Prime called Lula Rich. And it is based on the multi, the MLM, the 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 alleged pyramid scheme, Lula Rowe. And we have its two directors and producers, Jenner First and Julia Willoughby Nason with us today. And I geeked out so hard on these guys, you guys. I talked to them on Friday. And I was just, I, we tell, we go into the documentary and Lulu Row and all that stuff, but we also go into the making of documentaries and, and what it's like. And they're just so it's, it's, it's always fun to talk with people that are way smarter than you. They're talking about like smashing the patriarchy and all of this stuff. It was very inspiring. I can't wait for you to hear them. And, and it's, once again, it's like, I got to thank you guys. The only reason I'm able to talk about and geek out about these people is because you guys listen. So I hope you'll go with me on this one because I think this is right in your wheelhouse. It is so in my wheelhouse. I watched this series twice now. So it's four parts, 45 minutes per episode. Um, and I, it left me wanting more, which we actually talk about, but I want to get into a little bit of what Lula Rowe is. If you do not know what it is, who you guys, you got to watch the documentary, but we'll go over, uh, some Wikipedia facts, um, to go over the ridiculousness of these buttery soft leggings. These are all, it's all about leggings and these leggings, you guys were insane. Um, and you'll find out like some were actually stinky. They were stinky leggings, but these leggings had the most ridiculous patterns on them. And it's, and they really took hold. It's like, it's like the, <laughs> the twilight series of leggings. Like sometimes if you read the twilight books, you're like, how did this become so popular? Or, you know, uh, 50 shades of gray, which we've covered on this show. You're like, how did this ever become so popular? But it did somehow it ignited people just like these Lula row leggings. And I, you always got to pay attention to what against our better judgment becomes successful. If you know what I mean, a couple of things before we get into, uh, to that, that goodness. Did you guys hear watch what crappens today? How cool was that? How great are those guys? We, um, we're having, we're having a great week. I really, I mean, and that's not a brag. It's just, I'm so happy to have the people that I get to have on this podcast. So I hope you had laughs with that. I hope you enjoyed Sophie Monday. This will be the first week I've done a full week in two weeks. So uh, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it, you guys. Um, oh my God. Let me share you. Wait, I get, this is how crazy the day was. So I had to, um, I was on this guy, Adam Newell. Um, I don't know if you know him. He has a YouTube show called Up and Adam. 
and he invited me on. I was supposed to do it while I was sick and I had to cancel. So I was on today live on YouTube and this guy gets like a lot of views and stuff. I had no clue. He was a super nice dude. We talked all about the Erica Jane thing. I think you can go to YouTube and find it. But like right after I got a call back for a commercial and, you know, the commercials usually now, none are really in person except for a couple. So it's online and then it's online and I'm like, okay, what is this a callback for? Because I didn't get, I didn't even have to go to the initial audition. So it's a callback. So I'm like, what is this? And the part, you guys, is a naked man in his backyard. And I don't realize that until I actually get into the Zoom room and they're like, hey, okay, so just pop that shirt off. Let's get uh, let's get to under your undies. And I'm like, holy shit. And I know you guys are like, Ryan, you're extremely buff and handsome. Why would that ever matter? I just don't think I'm in naked backyard uh, weather shape yet, you know? So I'm here. And then they're like, just to add insult to injury, they're like, okay, get on your knees. You're on your knees in your backyard. So now I'm in a room. Uh, in my undies, on my hands and knees, and they're like, yeah, could you tilt that camera down a little? Yeah, let's get, yeah, I want to get a real good shot of that belly, you know? And I'm just like, holy shit, like this is, and then you had to, I had to wait in the room without my shirt on because I didn't know if I could put it back on. So I'm just knelt over on my knees in this room rethinking every decision I've made up to this point. And the only thing that got me through it was like, well, I still have the podcast. Like, obviously this uh, acting thing is not working out well for me. I've now naked on a floor, cold and afraid. And um, so I do the audition and they're just, it's just so embarrassing because you're doing it for like 20 boxes, like a bunch of producers that have their camera off. And you're just like, holy shit. They're all just like, yep. And then the note to me is like, Oh, okay. That was very funny. Love that. Could you act like you're really enthused about being naked? Maybe rub your hands over your body. And then I was like, mother. Then I was like, who's pranking me? Is this, this is going to be footage that gets passed around somewhere one day. It was, uh, it kept me real. It keeps me real. Really. It does. Um, a couple news stories I wanted to get to. This is horrible news. Uh, I'm so sorry to even have to bring this news to you. Um, this just came out an hour ago, uh, sex in the city star, Willie Garson dead at 57, uh, actor who played Stanford Blatch dies after cancer battle. So of course he played the, the famous character Stanford, who was, uh, um, so, uh, uh, sorry, Sarah Jessica Parker's best friend in the, uh, the series. And he passed away. He'd been battling cancer, I guess. Uh, cancer is just a real son of an asshole bitch fucking piece of shit. Like, honestly, like, what a piece of shit. Like, it takes so many good people. It, it will affect all of us at one point, uh, whether it be ourselves or with somebody else. I mean, my mom uh, fights cancer, and it, um, it, it uh, there's just nothing good about it. You know, we can all say a fuck cancer. So this was, and I know they're filming the remake, not the remake, the reboot uh, called And Just Like That on HBO Max. I am curious. I know he was in it, so I'm curious. Oh, it says he was last captured performing beside series star Sarah Jessica Parker during a shoot day in New York City on July 24th. So I'm very curious how they will... um, they will write him out. That is just so, so sad. I'm sorry to bring you guys that news, but it's a very important pop culture story. It just sucks. We have so much, we have so many things in our lives. I talk about this all the time, uh, you know, since we are a generation that was raised on TV and films and movies and music, that we have so many of these. There's so many special little 
uh, moments or people that have worked in these shows. And we have so much, so many shows that these things seem to happen all the time now. And you're just, I mean, we just celebrated, not celebrated, but the, the one year anniversary of Chadwick Boseman's passing Black Panther. And you're just like, my God, Ugh. Uh, anyway, sorry to bring you that news stories, but I thought it was important to um, share that with you. Um, let's see. Let's see. Do we have a fun one? Can we talk about like my farts or something like that? Um, oh, here's another one. Scott Disick's ex Amelia Hamlin debuts a striking set of bleached blonde eyebrows after modeling at Richard Quinn runway show during London Fashion Week. Now, if you listen to Tuesday's episode, I commented on Amelia Bedelia's eyebrows which looked like ash wednesday had uh it looked like they had done the sun at the cross over her brows now she has dyed her brows blonde and i gotta tell you folks it doesn't work for me at all now if any of ladies or men out there thinking about bleaching their eyebrows to impress me let me stop you right there do not do it please don't do it it scares me it makes me think you're a monster in a movie and i just don't think it's not like scott disick like we gotta get amelia amelia bedelia if you're listening we gotta get scott jealous you know, showing your nips the other day, that's on the that's on the right path. But don't bleach your eyebrows. Scott's not going to be that, see that and be like, oh, damn, I'm missing out on a bleached eyebrow girl. No, Amelia Bedelia, do not be who's who's consulting you. I feel like I need to be on your team at some point, even though I don't love you. Um, let's see here. Ooh, Anna de Arnis, you guys. Anna de Arnis, of course, Famous actor, but also eight months ago, she split with Ben Affleck. I don't know if you guys remember they had a pandemic romance. She is now pictured for the first time with Tinder executive boyfriend Paul Bukadakis. <laughs> That's not a real name, is it? Paul Bukadakis. He is a Tinder executive and Anna de Arnis. I wonder if they met on the app. Well, good for you, Anna, getting back out there. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just... I'm still just, uh, I'm still really just scared about those eyebrows. You know what I'm saying? Uh, this is actually a very important news story in the sense that this is right up our alley in terms of documentary as well. Netflix. Now there has been a long rumor Netflix documentary about Britney Spears. We got our first look at it or our first audio from it. Uh, we get the first trailer tomorrow on Wednesday, uh, and it comes out, I believe in a week and a half, but it's called Britney versus Spears. And the little teaser we got is a voicemail that Britney Spears left. And it's a very dramatic voicemail. And this is Netflix usually knows what they're doing. So this thing gave me chills. So I'll be very interested. We'll play the full trailer um, on Thursday's episode to, to give you guys um, a taste of what that is. But wow, uh, that's uh that's that's amazing. Also, uh, pregnant Kylie Jenner shows off baby bump as she shares first glimpse at Kylie baby products, including bubble bath and shampoo that have been, quote, tested and tested and approved by Stormy. I like Stormy was like, this fucking bubble bath sucks. Mom, I will not. We will not put this out until it's perfect. Damn it. I'm Stormy. I do love that when any of the Kardashians have babies, it's not just a blessing. It's also a revenue stream. You know, it's like, how can we make money? It's like Rob Kardashian. He loves to eat. So they made a hot sauce. Uh, supposedly Kendall loves to get wasted on tequila. So she made a tequila. I love that these people are like, what do we love and how do we exploit it? And for Kylie, it's with babies. So that's always great. Also, Kylie Jenner is facing flack for shutting down a Houston zoo this past Sunday to go with Travis Scott and Stormy. 
Could you imagine being a normal person like we are and going to the Houston Zoo on Sunday with your family and being turned away because Kylie Jenner didn't want you to see her in person? And I know that's probably unfair. They paid the money to rent the whole place out, but it is, uh, it's, it's interesting how the world works. Uh, folks, let's get right into it. I want to, I want to talk to you a little bit about LuLaRoe. LuLaRoe, of course, is the MLM and they are not the first MLM by any stretch of the imagination, but they were a very successful M&M, uh, MLM that is still going actually. So this is from their Wikipedia page, just so I can give you a little background, even though you probably already know more than me. So it's a United States based multi-level marketing company that sells women's clothing. It was founded in 2012, less than 10 years old guys, by Deanne Brady and her husband, Mark Stidham, and it's currently based in Corona, California. Now, in the Lula Rich documentary, they do an interview with Mark and Deanne, and they intersperse it through the four episodes, and it's fascinating. They did not agree to do a second interview, so that also says something as well. So as an MLM company, LulaRoe recruits independent distributors and referred to by the firm as fashion consultants to sell products directly, often through their social media. LuLaRoe reported sales of approximately $1 billion in 2016, which would have made it one of the largest firms in the multi-level marketing industry at the time. And by 2017, there were approximately 80,000 independent distributors selling the company's clothing. Now, the documentary talks about this. I think there was a $15,000 buy-in. No, no, $5,000 buy-in. And then you had to buy a lot of product to sell. And so say you sold the leggings for $25, you would get to keep 15 of those dollars and then 10 would go to uh, Mark and Deanne. Uh, The company has received criticism and faced lawsuits from distributors and consumer advocates over several issues related to its business model and for problems with the quality and design of its products. Now, the design of its products is one of the funnier things about this is that these things at times were just dreadfully ugly. Like they had a hamburger, you guys, where your private part would be. So it looked like your private part was an opening of a hamburger. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if I want my privates ever to be considered a hamburger. It just, it's a weird thing, but they had all of these things. They had one where it was like, um, not the Eiffel tower, the leaning tower of Pisa. And it hung down to the left and it looked like, a uh, a big penis hanging to the left. And these were considered uh, unicorn things. Like you were, these were like sought after designs, like the weirder, the better in some of these cases. Uh, A class action lawsuit filed in California in October 2017 and a lawsuit filed by the Washington State Attorney General in January 2019 accused LuLaRoe of being a pyramid scheme. And the documentary does go over the Washington State one especially, and they've had to change their practices. And even on the website now, they have to show their financial documentation, which, um, this lawsuit and these documentaries really help with. So the LuLaRoe itself uh, was founded by two Mormons. So a lot of Mormon values are kind of incorporated into this. Um, And it is one of those girl boss companies where they really were promoting girl boss. But then you'll see in the third part how that kind of swung over. And it was, don't get so successful that your man feels left out is one of their slogans was retire your man. And I love as a man, I'm like, yeah, retire the fuck out of me, man. That sounds amazing. But that was the thing is that even while empowering women, they still held them back and said, remember, you know, the man is the man in this family and make him feel like a man. 
Uh, LuLaRoe was incorporated on May 1st, 2013. The company's name was derived by combining the names of Brady's first three granddaughters, Lucy, Lola, and Monroe. Um, the decision to start the company was in part motivated by her desire to create more options for the purchase of comfortable clothing that is modest. Now, there is something great there, right? The, that is the American entrepreneurial spirit. And I thought that was fascinating is that it actually did start um, in this kind of really good hustling way. But then once you got all of these retailers involved and it became this pyramid scheme where you were making more money with bonuses signing people up than you were with actually selling the leggings. And that's where I feel like this story really takes off. Um, also, this story is such a great documentary because there is a cast of characters. Once this started getting successful, Mark and Deanne brought their family in. And their family, allegedly, or as you'll see, I don't know if we're the best people to ever uh, run a company, and they didn't know what they were doing. They honestly did not know what they were doing, and they were kind of fumbling around in the dark, and all of this money was coming in. And you'll even see that in all the money they put out in terms of their cruises, in terms of their retreats. They paid $5 million for Katy Perry to uh, to play at one. I mean, Kelly Clarkson played at one. They threw real money at this. Um, so... LuLaRoe clothing is only sold by the company through multi-level marketing distributors. So, like I said, these distributors purchase inventory from LuLaRoe Wholesale, and then they resell that to consumers. Um, they're recommended as retailers to keep around $20,000 worth of inventory on hand. And you'll see in the documentary, though, is that they even said they had a full return policy, but a lot of their um, retailers have not been able to return uh, their leggings and are sitting on tens of thousands of dollars of LuLaRoe leggings, and it has become a real disaster. The other part of this and how I heard about LuLaRoe to begin with is through Facebook. Through social media, um, through Facebook groups, this stuff got passed around. I was in a group where people made fun of LuLaRoe retailers, but there were tons of groups that they were uh, hungry for this product. These groups were like they would go live and sell hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of these leggings. And it was very, and, and like the filmmakers talk about in this interview, they also did the Firefest documentary for Hulu. It's very interesting to talk about millennials was that Firefest was millennials, almost coastal elites, where these were millennials in middle America. I mean, this is that version of Firefest, but in middle America. And I thought that was a very um, interesting um, way to uh, to look at this. Uh, but as all stories, when you have a success, you all of a sudden eventually will have a downfall. So in 2016, you. LuLaRoe began receiving many reports from customers that the firm's leggings ripped and developed holes easily, in some cases shortly after being worn for the first time. In January 2017, the Better Business Bureau downgraded the company rating to an F in response to the company's failure to address complaints, as well as for the issues with charging sales tax in places that do not levy sales tax on clothes. In 2017, customers shared photos of the ripped leggings on social media and created a Facebook group related to the complaints. Now, we talk about this with housewives, with their egos. What makes them famous will also destroy them. So Facebook groups, which actually brought the attention of LuLaRoe to millions, also eventually showed that their products were starting to be very poor quality. 
Um, so in August of 2017, multiple distributors complained on social media that they had still not received the refunds promised to them by LuLaRoe. In September, LuLaRoe abruptly ended the changes to its return policy, which it had described as a waiver, and distributors now receive only 90% of cost and pay for shipping and handling, along with other stricter stipulations. The change policy prompted a backlash on social media and a petition to grandfather in the old policies for distributors who were in the process of canceling their distributorships. So this documentary just came out a, a week and a half ago. It's called Lula Rich. I think you guys are going to it, it gives my biggest seal of approval. This is the so bad it's good, so bad it's great approval, you guys. It would be cool if we could actually start like, I think a lot of you guys have already watched this, but if you haven't, I'm going to just, it's four parts. It's great. Today, we are so lucky to have the documentary filmmakers with us today, Jenner First and Julia Willoughby Nason. So we're going to get right to them right now. I will talk to you guys on Thursday with another great episode, but please enjoy the creators of Lula Rich. On Amazon Prime. Lula Rowe. Lula Rowe. What in the hell? Lula Rowe. What is that? We are creating confidence and security. I had achieved the dream. I was selling magic leggings. This is a huge opportunity in America. Women were selling breast milk so they could afford startup costs. It had just become a circus. Woo-hoo! Mark starts spouting off passages from the Book of Mormon. A mass delusion. Oh my God, I'm in a cult. Did any of them have a clue how to run a company of this size? No. What is the real story of LuLaRoe? We want to see women succeed. That's where the business started. There's magic in the air, but most people have not sold anything. There became the push to put off a successful image. Deanne said, I got the weight loss surgery. I can hook you up. What the f***? They wanted them to drink the Kool-Aid. Let's just shower people with events. In 14 months, we experienced $2 billion worth of growth. They're using cheap language of feminism. We were empowered, and then the husband was supposed to take over. What inspired the empowerment of women for you? Can I jump in there and then you can talk? Yeah. 85% of the sixth floor was their family. We show up every day and say what problems need to be solved. The whole house smelled like dead fart leggings. Little did I know this is going to end up looking like a penis. It's the definition of a pyramid scheme. How many lawsuits have been filed? It's dozens. The question is, what did you want out of it? You have to be the boss. I'm going to lose my house. This is a time of seemed too good to be true. And it was. I did turn down the cruise. I love white people to death just being on a boat in the middle of nowhere. I'll see y'all when y'all get back. Oh my god! I see the See you later. We have to try everything right now. Hello. I don't care about the show. I just want a good blooper reel. I want to learn. Science. <laughs> you guys are going to make me look like I'm in the show, right? You're going to put in the effects. Replace the green. I don't want to look like an asshole. Sorry. <laughs> 
Uh, welcome back to iHeartRadio's So Bad It's Good. Ladies and gentlemen, today we get to highlight what might be my favorite documentary series of the year. This thing has it all. MLMs, colorful characters, family, greed disguised as female empowerment, Katy Perry, Kelly Clarkson, wacky families, phallic buttery leggings, religion. Uh, it's also a cautionary tale, and I know I have a primarily female audience, and this thing, you guys, I've been talking about it for a month, but this isn't even a recommendation. This is you watch this, you are going to be thanking me. This four-part series is just so I don't watchable. It's just kind of really amazing. It's like a slower down family version of succession. Uh, but we have the honor today to talk to the two filmmakers behind the series, Lula Rich, uh, Jenner first, Julia Willoughby Nason. Uh, thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, I love the enthusiasm. Can't tell I you how grateful we are. Well, I mean, really, this thing, I, I'm so, I was supposed to talk to you guys last week and I had strep throat and I was so bummed because, I mean, it gave me a chance to watch it again. So I've been like living in LuLaRoe. I mean, which you guys, how long did it take for you guys to do this? Have you been living in this for like years? Um, I no, I mean, it, it took about um, 13, 14 months to produce and finalize the show. Yeah, I mean, that's not normal, though. I mean, we we work uh, on uh, sort of a tighter timeline than a lot of other filmmakers. We know these events have to hit the public as soon as possible. And so we were in discussions developing this 14 months ago. And with the help of Amazon, we've gotten it to uh, over 100 million people and over 50 languages and in a short amount of time. It, it's so funny because this I I uh... I found out about LuLaRoe years ago on Facebook where it was presented to me as look at all these uh, people with these, these ugly leggings. Like this is look at this. And, and we would joke about it, which you guys make a point of, there was like this kind of perfect storm of internet culture, being able to push this message uh, and, and push this business, this MLM potentially. But I find it interesting now on the other side of this, having this released last Friday, I'm going online and I'm hearing all the discussion about you guys and this documentary. Uh, what is it like having like the week after this comes out? What's it been like for you guys? You know, I think uh, the reception has been really exceptional. And yeah. uh, as filmmakers, you know, we're, you know, always hope from day one that events could have this impact. And I think we knew from the first glance at Lula Rich that it had the potential to because it's the dichotomy of what they were selling and what the women actually got and how that relates to the society we're living in right now that make this such a big conversation. And it's the comedy and the watchability and the entertainment factor that makes everybody want to watch it. But behind that entertainment is a message. And with all of our films, we try to sneak that message right in there so that people can have a meaningful conversation afterwards. And I, yeah, you're right. I mean, the comedy really does give it that foundation, which the audience will really go with you on any message because you guys start the documentary so powerful where you have Mark and Deanne, the, 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 the founders of this thing. And they have this kind of like, they're very happy and bright and like, tell us about this. And then you kind of juxtapose that with actual uh, footage from depositions, which we see a total different uh, Mark and I mean, Mark, I was just, I was like hoping he would be able to structure those papers and the deposition that he kept. Um, but it, it really is fascinating to set that up in that, that beginning. And you see this kind of bright colorful characters. We have Tammy Faye Baker, which that movie comes out today. And I kept thinking about Deanne in that Tammy Faye Baker role, you know? Yeah, no, I, 
we I, we wanted to structure the film kind of the way the company and MLMs are structured inherently themselves, which is a seduction piece. So having the gummy, positive, upbeat, bright colored uh, leggings and comedy and, you know, kooky characters and founders up front to really lead the narrative at first and, and the tone was so essential to kind of unpack and look under the hood at the other side of it, which was like you said, like the contrast of their depositions. Yeah. I mean, it really was really, really cool to watch. Uh, why the four part structure? Was it, was there a part that this kind of got at six parts? Could this gone eight parts? Because the question I got from a lot of my uh, listeners already of, I want more. I want more. There's more lawsuits. They're, like they literally were like, oh, what about the factories? I want to know about the factory workers. Like people yeah, are really that's the point. right now, you know? That's the point, Ryan, is that we want to leave viewers wanting more. And I think nowadays everybody does the oversell with the docuseries and tries to make it 25 parts when we're <laughs> a feature film. And we are actually the opposite. We look for the tightest way to tell a story because we know that your time at home is precious. No, you it's not. It's not. Us. I want more. No, you could no, be no, watching no. Us or you could be watching 300 other things. And we want you to watch these films and be entertained by them from start to finish. And we're not looking to present anemic docuseries that have 7 million, you know, too many factoids or pauses or mood or tone. We want to get right to this, to the meat of it. Yeah. I, I, I uh, and just in, in researching you guys, I was so comforted I knew why I liked it. So, I mean, you guys did um, uh, Fire Fraud, which I think is the... Um, the, 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 the Superior. The, the, the yeah, the Superior. Yeah. That's a, the, the Hulu Fire Fest documentary. But I thought there was so many inroads to Fire Fest and, and, and this, because to, to this is a disaster in, in a... I mean, it's still going, and, and I'm sure it's considered successful to some still, but there mm-hmm. is a disaster element of everything's riding high and then it just goes dips down when I think this project was brought to you guys, right? Yeah. This idea. Yeah. What- it was brought to us by StoryForce, Bly Fast and Corey Stern, you know, um, Bly had done spotlight. Corey had done a number of impactful films, you know, um, in her career. And the second that, you know, we wanted to find something to work together. And the second that, that, that I said, look, we don't like to just, aimlessly develop, like, what are you thinking? And the first thing they brought up was LuLaRoe. And Julie and I immediately were like, yeah, yep, definitely. That's a docuseries, that's an event. <laughs> and it was like a couple weeks, it was out uh, to everybody. And Amazon showed the type of infra- interest that told us that they were committed, that they were gonna put the right resources behind getting it out there and getting it out there quickly. And as a result, the world has Lula Rich now. Yeah, I mean, it really, really is a cool kind of document of this time. And it's such an American story. Like, I, I mean, that's what I think. Like, it is an American story of now, of social media, of greed, of all of these things. I, I just can't say enough good things about it. But the the thing that you keep getting asked, and I'm sure you're sick of t- t- talking about this, but how the heck did you get Mark and Deanne to sign on for even a first interview um, for this, which we see interspersed through all, throughout the four parts? By being honest with them and telling them what our intentions were and being straight. And to this day, no matter how the viewers feel about what they said or how they feel about the way they were portrayed, we know we did our part of the bargain, which was to give them the ability to tell their story in their own words and not have someone else talk about where they're coming from, what their intentions are, you know, what their childhoods were like, what their family is about, to let them do it. And when it came time to the tough questions, 
they answered the way they did. And when it came time to the follow-up interview where we gave them the opportunity to respond to every single allegation in the film, they gave us an email. And so that is, you know, essentially why we believe that, you know, if we were to get on the phone right now with Mark and Deanne, there's nothing we would, you know, have to scurry around. We did what we said we were going to do. And if there's anyone out there in the world who is like Mark and Deanne, who believes that their story or their company or their organization is in the right and the world has presented a, a scandal and it's gone viral and become a dumpster fire, our pitch stays the same. We tell human stories. We tell 360 degree stories. And we invite anyone who's experienced that from the top to the bottom to come and sit with us. We will give you the space to tell us who you are. Well, listen, I mean, you did, I think, present it fairly. I signed up for Lulu Row afterwards, after I saw this. I was like, I'm in, I'm in. I know. Um, it uh, it really was uh, interesting, though, and it really hinged. A bit, but that relationship, I mean, you were straight with them, but it feels like that hinges a lot on that interview, you know, like you were able to go to so many places by having them there. Um, Was that a big, did you guys have a plan B if they had said no? And when you were documentarians going into this thing, how spongy is your mind in the sense of, do you know how you feel about LuLaRoe right off the bat or are you always learning? No, I think all the documentaries we make, it's like going, getting your master's again in a subject or in, people's intimate stories and experiences. So for me and, you know, for us and our whole team, we're constantly curious and asking questions. We really don't have a set point of view because that's for the audience to decide and audience members are so diverse in their experiences. So the more we can bring, you know, all the different aspects of people's, you know, negative and positive and in the middle experiences of this company, you know, the richer the story can be and the bigger the conversation can get. Um, Did you know, uh, I mean, when you're this deeply in something, when do you know that you're like, this is, this is flying. This is, this is working. Like this is, I mean, I I imagine, you know, when things you're not getting the right talking heads, you're not getting the right. uh, Did you know pretty quickly of this thing is just flowing or, or did you, do you not know that until after it's out in the world? I think that, you know, based on what we discover before we even start filming, we get that. It's like an energetic buzz that we understand that we're working with something that's alive. It's a live wire. And one of our mentors from back in, in the in the beginning of our careers, uh, Mark Benjamin, you know, who we worked on Brick City with and Chicago. Which, by the way, Brick City is so was such a great. Ep- I mean, that was so such a. I, I saw you guys, and it was really that was very powerful. And that was like yeah. what ten years ago or something. It was really amazing. Oh, yeah, I mean, Maybe longer, longer. fifteen. Yeah. Years ago. I mean, yeah. Julie and I, you know. Um, I was working to put together the the actual reel that sold that show. And Julia was photographing all the characters and was there for election night in 2008 when Obama won. So, you know, we (laughs) are. But anyway, Mark used to say, you know, you know. You know, when your subjects have lightning bolts coming out of their eyes. And what that means is the energy, the fervor, the passion for the story, when it radiates across the screen. And that was something that we felt from all of our characters when we sat down with them. We knew it going in. We knew the story had the potential to to do that. But the way we casted it was to find people who had a resounding voice. 
And that is something that Mark and Deanne have. That's something that Daryl Trujillo has. Matt, you made a star out of Daryl. You guys, Daryl, if you <laughs> if you star. see this, this guy, they end the documentary almost with him where he cannot listen to Kelly Clarkson anymore. And it kills him because he loves the Jason Aldean, Kelly Clark. And he's so, and he wants to have a cranberry vodka and watch. I mean, it was really, yeah. but I mean, you, you guys got him in Vanity Fair. Like, I mean, this is amazing. He, 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 he got, he, yeah. let's give Daryl some credit. Daryl got Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He did. He, all the credit goes to Daryl for that one. I mean, it, it, it's really, um, how do you, um, as documentarians, like you, you, you go in wanting to tell the truth, wanting to tell this story. Um, when you when you do interviews or talking heads, how long did you have with Mark and Deanne? How long did you have with Daryl? Um, do you do you is there tactics where you're like, we're gonna wear this person out with questions until we start getting some kind of basis of truth? Um, is this just something that you change project to project? Uh, what's the tactic? Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's got the kind of Frost Nixon, you know, <laughs> dream in their head that that's what it's like. But you know, when you're actually at the, you know, uh, the table where the sandwiches are and the coffee is, and you're sitting face to face with your subject, it's all about humanism, you know. And that's why all of our interviews are long, and we tell all of our subjects prepare for the day that we'll be together for most of the day. I mean, we've done 15 hour interviews. Uh, and of course we've done films in which we've interviewed people for eight hours and then did it again, like 10 times to make a big epic, like time, the Khalif Browder story. But in this case, you know, we wanted Mark and Deanne to have the ability to set the stage for themselves the same way we would want, you know, Roberta to do it or Courtney or, or, or Ashley or Stella Lemberg or any of the folks that were in our film we want to know how you got where you are. We want you to tell it to us in your own words. And it's a conversation. And what emerges is what determines the story. We can only steer the story so much as storytellers. It's what emerges. It's the performance. It's the moments. That's why we always roll the camera, because when someone sits down, that's part of the story. You're sitting down to tell the story. That's part of the story. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and by the way, just to, to your credit and to even Deanne's credit, I found there was like very inspirational things about her story, about how she started, about the hustle of going from party to party and starting this business. There was something really kind of fascinating about that. I just think that they had such insane growth. And like even Sam, uh, I think Sam Schultz had been like, all of a sudden you're in charge of these hundred million dollars and you're throwing these events and Katy Perry's there, which by the way, did you ever reach out to Katy Perry uh, about you know uh, her experience? I, you know, I think everybody wants to latch on to to, you know, yeah, uh, celebrity. blame the celebrities who promoted it. But I think it's a bigger ecosystem. You know, we're all part of it, right? We're all buying something. Social media is transactional. We're all buying a dream. We're buying some FOMO. We're buying some, you know, I wish I was there. I wish I was him. I wish I was her. And everybody's taking part in this. And, you know, it's interesting you bring up Deanne's charm. How do you think a business like this got as big as it did? It was Deanne's charm, Mark's drive, their insatiable thirst for success. And some of that is positive. It's not all negative. And, you know, I think we look at it like through an empathetic lens, like, you know, in our society, you're encouraged to be a billionaire. That's the way it is. But the reality is very few people become a self-made billionaire. And that's the lie and the dream of the lie, right? But the reality is they had charm and charisma and that charm and charisma got explosive growth for them. And I will say this, 
the women that Deanne was working with in the very beginning, moving her dresses from, from state to state in the back of a car, okay? Those women got the dream she sold because they were on the bottom floor. Yeah, they were yeah. right there in the beginning. Those women are millionaires today based on the dream Deanne sold them. The problem was the dream wasn't scalable and no multi-level marketing company is. I mean, it was fascinating that detail of they spent so much uh, money on software that they didn't even know how to use uh, to try to track all of their sales and things like that. And I, I thought just it just shows you kind of how fumbling around in the dark they they were at times. Um, uh, the other thing I thought was interesting is the intricacies of this story in terms of Deanne wanting people to go to Tijuana to get weight loss surgery. We had the Tijuana Panthers, I believe, the the text. Uh, no, sorry, 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 yeah. Guys, folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I got to tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30 performance polos and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. These are the ads I was speaking about, and we have two ads, two companies that have been with me before. And this first one, they are, this is the second time they've been with us, and I love this product and I love this company. It's Osea. So it is so difficult, you guys, to find clean skincare products that are good for your skin and the planet but also give you the results you want. So luckily, Osea has been making products that do just that for over 25 years. And when it comes to clean beauty, Osea is the pioneer. They have award-winning cleansers, serums, and face moisturizers. Now, I'm going to mansplain to all of you ladies what all of these products are. No, it's so funny. I told you about these guys, this company a couple weeks ago when they first uh, were on and they actually did an onboarding call with me where they went through and explained all of the products and sent me the products. And then I talked to my female friends, uh, my friend Megan, my friend um, Rebecca, and you know, my friend Rebecca actually already uses these products, but I realize how important as it is to actually have a skincare regime. And I know you ladies already have yours, but I think that this actually might be a product that you might want to add to it. So Osea is actually known for creating amazing body products as well, like their famous Undaria Algae Body Oil. So the Undaria Algae Body Oil is amazing. Uh, I use it myself now, and it leaves my skin feeling clean and rich not sticky or oily, and especially you guys, after I've been sick, 
This is a product that has actually made me feel better because I felt so gross, like a slug on a rug, and it was horrible. So I know what you're thinking. Body oil? If you've been using body lotion for years, you might be a little wary of body oils. But let me tell you, I'm a convert. It soaks in easily, and it has this really kind of amazing citrus smell. And uh, I actually, I can even smell this because remember I had COVID over the holidays and it took a majority of my smell away. I can actually smell this and I can't tell you how soft and smooth my skin feels after I put it on. In fact, if you see me in public, say, Ryan, can I feel your skin? And I will let you feel the smoothness, the silkiness of my skin. So Osea's products are clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, climate-neutral, created with sustainability sourced seaweed, and made in California. And also, there's a motorcycle that's driving right outside my house. But also, listen to that. Clean, vegan, cruelty-free, climate-neutral, created with sustainability sourced seaweed, and made in good old California. Those are so many important things right there. Vegan and cruelty-free is huge. Climate neutral, I mean, that's what we've got to be doing in the future. And this is a company that supports all of this. So you can feel good about what you're putting on your skin. So experience your new favorite clean skincare line with a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order with promo code SOGOOD. Finally, a company has not used so bad, they've used so good as our promo code. That's S-O-G-O-O-D at O-S-E-A Malibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and orders over $50 get free shipping. You are going to want it all. Go to O-S-E-A-M-A-L-I-B-U.com and use code SOBAD. Hell yeah, you guys. And I'll tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card with 24 seven us based live customer service from discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So this podcast is a uh, sponsored by um, proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Um, goals are so important. And this is something that you can actually talk about your therapist with. Um, it's important to actually have somebody that you can actually speak out loud your experience of life, of what you're trying to accomplish, of what you're trying to get through, of what is holding you back. And BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. And let me be clear, it's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. So there's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide. In fact, I get so many people now that like will DM me or email and they're listening like, like Belgium, Italy. And I'm just like, whoa, but also you could actually use this service there. You can log into your account anytime and you can send a message to your therapist. You'll get a timely and thoughtful response. Plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. 
it is more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available. Those are two huge things. We should not have to ever be priced out of getting help. And BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash so bad. That's better H-E-L-P. And join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Special offer for So Bad It's Good listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash so bad. That's betterhelp.com forward slash S-O-B-A-D. You guys, that is the commercials for the week. Thanks for listening and back to the directors of Lula Rich. And then we had the ghost squadron on the other side where it was a bunch of guys uh, that that bought these exotic cars and, and raced them around, which by the way, my dire, which they had a $49 million lawsuit against Lula Row. What is happening with that? Did that ever get settled? No, that's still, still in the works. Yeah, it just seems like, I mean, that's what it seems like. It's like this story keeps unfolding. And now because of the uh, the lawsuit, they have to even put like earnings reports or something on the LuLaRoe website. And it even says that you'll bring in $10,000, but you'll only profit like $1,500. They have to put that stuff on their website now. Yeah, no, I mean, that's good transparency. And you can see the, the um, you know, the consequence that their action has made that transparency happen. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, it's emblematic also that, um, you know, there's a Tijuana skinnies group for women and then there's a race car for men. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of what, this, what actually is highlighted in the story is the discrepancy of patriarchy and how women like Deanne, for example, she had to survive with her charm. Most women are, you know, all women, we've been so oppressed for so many years that we have to find so many different avenues to even have like a, you know, a 31% equality with a man. So to her credit and to a lot of women's credit to see this, you know, contrast and dichotomy is pretty heavy. Yeah. I think it was the third part where you start bringing up, it's like these women are very successful and then they start being like coached to give the power back to the man, to, to coddle the man and make the man feel good about the woman's success. And it's such a bizarre way of thinking, but I just, I found that so fascinating is that these women are out there being successes for themselves and like built themselves up in these businesses. And then it was like, but, but also give that power to the man and let him know that. And I just thought, and even Deanne was fully, you know, it's like you have that quote of, you know, uh, all you have to do is get on your knees for five minutes. And, and that's, and it was, it's just an accepted thing. And I thought, wow, what a way to push into the future and stay in the past at the same time. Oh yes, definitely. I mean, this this show is such a microcosm of, of women's everyday lives and you know how that they hit a glass ceiling or whatever euphemism you want to say that as soon as a woman has any sort of or any oppressed group has any sort of success either they're treated as a darling or like this quote unicorn figure like oh how could this have ever happened to a woman like look at like um theranos um elizabeth Holmes, yeah you know and the patriarchy involved in 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 that turtleneck so um yeah like i think that that's a bit, it's there's a lot of depth and there's a lot of darkness there that I think that we, you know, with this dark comedy, I think we can crack open with a couple laughs, but then we actually 
you know, it hopefully can create some empathy and courage for more women who are struggling and don't want to show the shame of it to come forward and be, you know, leaders in that aspect above the patriarchy. And And why this is a co-viewing event, Ryan, is that men need to watch that story too. And they don't need to just watch it with their partners or with their daughters or their, or friends who are women. They need to watch it on their own and they need to talk about it the way you're talking about it. Because it's up to men to take up the slack and realize what patriarchy means and what women are facing when they start their own business, when they're mothers, you know, all of this is just a crock of shit, frankly, (laughs) women. And it's up to men the same way we present in films like Tom LeCleef Browder's story or Rest in Power, the Trayvon Martin story. It's up to white folks to, 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 you know, let go of their fragility and surrender their privilege. In this instance, it's actually far more universal. It's up to men to step up and stop being babies and actually figure out what it means to respect women on a daily basis and not objectify them and keep them in this system of oppression that is as old as time. Yeah. I mean, I love that there's like this magical force field where we're pretending women aren't successful or women aren't like sometimes working harder than men. I, I, I This points out some really interesting things. Like you said, even though it is a dark comedy, it goes a lot deeper than that. And you can, it kind of spins off in all of these discussions that I find fascinating. Um, the other thing I find interesting is that, you know, this definitely isn't the first MLM, uh, nor will it probably be the last, or hopefully we're nearing the end of these kind of practices. But um, it, it, uh, the leggings, the leggings themselves, the reason this all started, like it's, it's one of those bizarre things. Like I shop at old Navy. I'm not a fashion guy, but even I know like having like an Eiffel tower penis hanging down from your, your private parts or like a hamburger vagina. Like, I mean, like you guys, if you see that, you know, there's just so many weird patterns. They were supposed to crank out like a hundred designs a day and just mistakes would happen, but it almost became like the Holy grail where like, I'm searching for this one and I'm searching for that one. Like, It's there's like this magical thing of like, how did this how did this take like, how did this set fire? How did this get exactly going, the you know? reason why you just described? Because there's enough shiny objects and enough things to laugh at and enough things to be obsessed about that. We're not thinking about what's really going on, like where that old Navy is manufactured. Yeah. OK. And, and, and a penis and a vagina on a pair of leggings distracts you from the actual matrix that we're all in and part of. Right. You talk about this as a disaster. Right. This is a disaster. Right. But the disaster is what we're all facing. Okay, what the 99% of people around the planet are facing, the disaster is the climate emergency, the disaster is the economic crisis that's going to ensue, the disaster is the disparity between rich and poor. So we can laugh at things like this, where the disaster is institutional racism and patriarchy. Those are the disasters, right? Lack of education. And when you look at millennials, what the parallel between fire fraud and this is that this too is a millennial story, except this is a millennial story for the middle of the country. And for the people that are working really hard to pay their mortgages and the people who have better educations than their parents, the women who are more educated than anyone in their family. And this is the opportunity that they have. And if this is the opportunity that millennials have to join a multi-level marketing company, what does that say about our true economic promise for future generations? The message is dire. And that, Ryan, is the actual disaster. 
I mean, God, that's that's perfect and really scary. You just scared the shit out of me. So that's perfect. No, but you're right. You're dead on right. Um, do you mind if I ask how you guys linked up? What how what was the story of your partnership? We we met we met 20 years ago, and um, we started collaborating um, about five six years after that. And uh, in about 2011, we merged our two careers, which were both in storytelling and documentary and commercial production. And we started the Cinemart. And uh, we, you know, took, you know, our varied experiences. You know, mine was in editing and writing and storytelling. And Julia's shared strengths in that. And hers was in fine art photography, cinematography, commercial production, art direction. And we use those assets to build our own company. And as a result, we've been able to produce some pretty incredible projects and we're just getting started. So this is really an inflection point. It's, it's the 10 year anniversary of the cinema and the company we started a decade ago. And since starting, we've had, you know, five really significant events that have caught the world's attention. And like, like I said, we're just getting started. I mean, and I, I assume with the Cinemart, you always have probably like 50 things in development uh, at yeah. all stages. I mean, how do your minds work like that? I always think about documentarians, especially because Ken Burns is always working on like 30 things. And I'm like, how does your mind can segment into all of these different things and give it the proper care? I mean, do you go like, you're going to go over and do this and you're going to go over and do this. How is this working relationship? And I just can't imagine 10 years ago, you would think you would be here or were you guys always insanely cocky and be like, no, we're going to go further, you know? I, I don't know if it's cockiness. I think, <laughs> I think it's more just, you got to have a vision, right? And you also have to have some kind of tangible, you know, product. And I think that we, we built this, you know, company off of, you know, one project after the other, after another, we reinvested every, all of our profits back into the infrastructure. We built a facility over time. We got the, the attention of some very big partners like Sean Jay-Z Carter. Jay -Z, yeah, you yeah. know, we, we got a lot of folks uh, to, to get behind us, but we always worked for it. And I think that that's the message of Lula Rich is that you can be a successful business person uh, and you can be a successful business woman. Look at Julia, you know, look at look at others who have, you know, given their time to work hard, but it's not going to happen in a pyramid shaped multi-level marketing company, you know, especially not if they're telling you they're empowering you. That's something to take a second look at because the only person that can empower you is you, you know, no one can empower you, you know, you have to empower yourself. And, you know, it's tough times to do that these days. Yeah, it truly is. Um, uh, is there things in projects? I mean, you like, you know, you go from like Trayvon Martin to this, and it is such a wide range of emotions and colors and storytelling. Is there something, I mean, what is the, uh, what are the things That's that like through line with Trayvon too? That's the millennial experience for people of color. That's change.org. That's social media. That's the thing that we grew up with actually becoming a force for change and, and being the, the foundation after tragedy and heartbreak and the hard work of Tracy and Sabrina to get justice for their son in the world, letting them down that the world picked up the slack. And that was millennials who did that. Millennials really pushed that activist effort and started the Black Lives Matter movement. So we believe that that's also part of the millennial experience as well. And, and that there is so much to be taken from that. And, you know, to see that come full circle, 
you know, uh, in 2020, even with, with attorney Benjamin Crump, who we keep close contact with, like it, it's truly monumental to see the work that we've been able to create, keep reverberating through the, through the zeitgeist. Yeah. Um, it, it really is, uh, incredible. Um, as we start, uh, wrapping up here, uh, just some questions my listeners had, was there a favorite moment, uh, you have when you watch this thing again and again, where you're like, I could watch this a billion times. I mean, I think Daryl is, is, is such a standup, you know, for his, you know, he's so genuine and he's so invested and, and in such a sweet, you know, unassuming way, which, and I I think that Daryl really stands out for me. And there's a lot of other parts that I I mean, it's, um, you know, interesting story, you know, with that interruption, you know, that interruption, I think we knew when, when Mark interrupted, uh, you know, Deanne. I and, think oh, actually, that is so yeah. good. No, but the interesting story that I want to own is that. Oh, see, he wants to own it. Do I want to own that. Here? I actually. <laughs> that interrupted me, but he wants to tell the story. <laughs> so this is the real story. It's the story of the story. Okay, don't worry. I'll cut this out. I'll cut this out. It's fine. <laughs> no, you should I'm joking. Meta. I'm joking. I, I don't cut anything out. Yeah. Good. I like it. No, yeah. So this is a meta version behind the camera and in front of the camera that we can just be honest, that happens is like, you know, we conduct an interview as two partners and sometimes the male partner will interrupt me as a woman most of the time. Full ownership on that, working on it, work in progress. Yeah. And he'll own that. And, you know, we could put a sign in our window at our, you know, downtown Brooklyn, like post-production shop, like warning, mansplaining and interrupting. <laughs> Back it up. But he's aware and he's woke. And he's really trying not to do it anymore, working, man. Yeah, we're working on the mute button. Yeah. Um, uh, when you do see that moment happen with Mark interrupting Deanne to explain the power of women, um, do you in the moment glance at each other? Do you stare straight ahead? Is it, I mean, I know like, it just seems like such a winning moment. And I know that sounds so dark because it's real life, but do you guys like glance at each other? Do you just stay? I mean, do you have a way of like not tipping a hand of like, Oh yeah. I mean, after 15 years of making films together and 10 years making them at the scale we've been making them, I think that we don't even need to do that at this point. I mean, we kind of each know, what's happened. And if anything, you know, when we play off of each other and that's kind of the the beauty of the collaboration, not just in the interview, but in the editing and the cinematography and, and, and the way that we direct together, we're playing off each other. And sometimes I will be the, you know, uh, literal story driven, you know, get the beats of the, the nuts and bolts. And, but then it'll be very clear, you know, when Julia does ask, you know, her questions frequently, you know, they're always on that tandem track, which is actually breaking the wall down for the, for the, for the subject. And all of a sudden her voice comes in and the response that's given is a different response. And that could even be because of patriarchy or could be because the connection to her uh, versus me. But, you know, this has all become basically nonverbal for us at this point. We just know what, know how to approach it, whether we're interviewing Mark and Deanne or someone on the street. Yeah, usually subtlety, like that, that, 
the interrupting in that interview was actually like a very subtle piece to highlight in that edit. So, you know, it, we made it not so subtle, obviously, because of the highlight, but it, in the works of a five hour interview that could have just gone on the cutting room floor. But that was a very important part for me to highlight and not to not to break the rhythm and the flow, as you talked about earlier with the characters and the subjects and the lightning bolts you talked about earlier and behind subjects eyes really as filmmakers, I think that we take an ocean and we make it into a fountain so that people can sit around it and digest it and listen to it and be captivated within it. But it's, you know, contained in its beauty. And it's not pandering or anything like that. You know, I felt like this was never pandering to an audience or any, you know, I felt like it was really just so, but at the same time, just so watchable, just so it, it, like when I watched it even a second time, I watched it straight, like straight through. And I mean, by the way, it's like, you get sucker punched by that fourth thing. You're just like, I need out of the LuLaRoe uh, mind frame. Don't give us all the credit, Ryan. You know, we got to shout out some folks that really, you know, have made these events with us for years. I mean, our, you know, showrunner and collaborator, Mike Gasparro, he's literally like the bombardier of the team. Like he puts out every fire. He arranges all of the interwoven, you know, communications with everyone from the network down to the subjects. And this, and these are not easy projects to do that. Okay. Like look at fire, look at Khalif, look at, you know, look at the pharmacist, look at this. These are projects that in Lulu Rich, you know, that requires someone to really navigate. And Mike is, you know, like the Lincoln navigator of the team. And then, you know, Lana Barkin, we've worked with for, for years. We've worked with since Khalif, same as, as Mike. And so basically we have the same way Julie and I, have a nonverbal language. It's really the broader team. Yeah. Our post-producer, Danon, our, 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 you know, EIC, Alec, you know, our editors, Sarah and Betsy and Princess and Deja, all the folks that really made this happen, our cinematographer, Brandon, like we are a team. And mm-hmm. when we get the boat in the water, you know, that team can be up to 50 or 60 people. Our lawyers, you know, Cohen Gardner, you know, DWT, Diana, all the people that work on the fair using and the defamation. Like, this is a big operation. I, it's not Julia and Jenner, it's everybody. Yeah, we well, can really, about our team. Yeah, no, I mean, really. And I, that's what I was wondering when you release something like this is there, I mean, because lawyers get involved, or yeah, I feel like then you have to wait for this kind of potential pushback, even though you were very honest, because, you know, LuLaRoe is going to actually have their opinions on this, or they're going to have a statement about this. And even there was an article about uh, LuLaRoe people leaving one-star reviews, which I thought was very, oh, yeah. Lu- I thought it was very LuLaRoe. I think yeah, I was like, wow, they're really playing. Like what a great, like yeah. what a they're great engaged. selling point. Yeah. Viewers, are, viewers yeah. are watching. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like- <laughs> people are watching, but you know what? I think it, what's interesting about that is by this time in the game for us, like, we actually work that legal stuff out before it comes out. You know, we're confident that, you know, we're not defaming people, that the material we use is fair use, that the comments we make are grounded. In fact, we fact check everything. We have a whole team for that in a law firm. So, you know, this is not, I think when people see a thing on TV, they think, you know, like either they think some person who just graduated college made it, or they think that Ken Burns made it, or they think that, you know, some, you know, one in an armchair with, you know, elbow patches and some <laughs> you know, jacket made it. 
But, you know, this is actually made by 100 people or more. When you think of Amazon's team, their PR team, their marketing team, their creative team, Lindsay Webster, Alicia Russo, Chris Costello, those folks, we're all working on it together. Are you guys exhausted? This sounds exhausting to lead a team of 100 people. Yeah, I mean, and just- StoryForce has their own team. They're their own company. Bly and Corey have all of their people that worked with them to bring that to us. You know, uh, you know it's, it's a big operation. And uh, we do it collaboratively. You can't make a film alone. A film is made, a film is very much similar to, you know, uh, uh, it's, like a, it's like the military, but a more equitable model. It's like building a building. You have all yeah. your subcontractors and they all have to kind of go in, in um, the right rhythm in terms of laying down the foundation first. And then you got the HVAC and plumbing electric next. Wow. Um, and, and finally, this is a silly question. We just talk a lot about reality shows on this podcast, which I find very interesting because a lot of the reality stars we're focusing on now are involved in criminal activity. There's a lot of lawsuits. going. Did you guys ever, uh, a lot of my listeners kept saying, uh, did you guys ever try to reach out to Mary from Sister Wives? I well, guess she was an MLM or she was a LuLaRoe rep. We did. And let me tell you something. There's a bigger connection there. Okay. And when you talk about the reality stars that are currently in the news and you talk about the reality machine, no, you know, no, not slinging shade at the producers who make all this stuff or, or all of us who watch it, but essentially there's a bigger story there and we're going to be excited to announce it soon, but it is the perfect follow-up to Lula Rich and it involves patriarchy, deception, gaslighting, fundamentalism, and it involves reality TV and when we announce it, we're willing to give you an exclusive. Please. Oh, my God. That's, I mean, I, work, if you want to if you you work, work on, on it, it we'll uh, you, you guys like this is my dream. Like you guys, I'm so I geek out about this stuff so hard. And you, you know, I, I'm a fan for life of you guys now. And thank you for spending so much time talking to the listeners. And you guys, I know you, a lot of you have already watched this because I've been talking about this for a bit. But if you haven't, this thing is so watchable. This will make your weekend. This will make your weeknight. Uh, make your husbands watch it. Uh, I don't know about the kids, but, you know, maybe eventually. But uh, you guys just yeah, really... Yeah. Teenagers welcome. <laughs> Teenagers are welcome. But uh, uh, Jenner and Julia, this has just been such an honor to talk to you guys. I, I really can't say enough about this and about your process. It's just been so um, enlightening to uh, to learn a little bit more about it. So uh, I, I will be supporting. And you better give me that first look or whatever. I, I will work. I'll yeah, do what we'll I'll, I'll be a PA. Come on, let's let's do this. Yeah, we never yeah. sleep at the cinema. The lights are on all night. So we'll give you a call. Uh, I love you guys. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay. Take it easy. Bye. Take care. Betches.